up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. And as always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are talking about the brand new movie, Argyle in the 3FN Movie Club Review, but before we get there, I am your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here. Firstly, after seeing the movie Argyle, he went out and said, hey, I can actually get the whole subgenre of people to believe that I'm a fucking spy? So now, ladies and gentlemen, your new international man of intrigue, Ron? Definitely. I was 1,273 days trusting a fart. Plus. <laughs> And then uh, you're back to day zero. Now. I'm back at day zero. Jeez. <laughs> well, at least he knows where it came from, folks. That is a detective if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and, of course, the other nerd, he doesn't need an introduction, but he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcasters favorite podcaster he's the man the myth and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger bearded feller this is diesel so for the 500th episode which one of you guys is going to give me the whirly bird (laughs) whirly bird whoa i I don't know if i have the strength for that sir uh you might be on your own there Uh, with that being said, though, uh, I hope everybody's week was good. Before we dive into the show, we'll find out how the gentlemen's weeks were. Ron, how has been your week? My week was all right. Can't really complain too much. Work is, you know, work. And this, sometimes, you know, when there's no weather, it gets a little boring. But yeah. It is what it is. Our Wednesday group is still continuing through Trinity of Dragons. We have established a um, battle with a white dragon that, you know, it didn't feel like a victory. We, I mean, we somehow won. Um, it didn't really feel like a victory. Technically, by the eyes of the characters, my, you know, desperate javelin throw, you know, was what caused the dragon to fly away. That's not the reason why the dragon flew away. <laughs> but, but I'm just, just so, pitching Revenge of the Nerds right now. Yeah, just the way that it all worked. That's just how it all happened. And, you know, so we got that. We made it through that. So we're just going to slowly go to our next meeting in the game and see where it takes us. All right, Diesel, how's been your week? Uh, not too bad, been pretty busy. Uh, Friday night, I actually took a little bit off from work and came upstairs here and played a few games of EDH. <sighs> uh, Saturday, just worked and then uh, went out to dinner with a few friends of her to a local uh, burger establishment right down the road here, which was good. But when you're you have a bar in your restaurant, there's no reason you should have had three kicked kegs and no backups. <laughs> so yeah yeah it's a good, good place but it's some things are questionable yeah get your shit together uh but it was a good good time then sunday i spent the day visiting with my dad oh um, man now we're just getting through this week and running it back <laughs> my weekend was uh pretty easy uh for the most part i mean other than like dodging social media because man people are still belly aching about the whole cody road situation and since i do all the wrestling stuff over at nerd initiative wrestling and and, of course, Wrestling Night Live every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over on uh, the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. Uh, shameless plug there. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I was just kind of dodging that. Well, me and Ken did get together on Sunday and watch NXT's uh, uh, Vengeance Day uh, PLE. That was that was a lot of entertaining. Nice. 
lots of fun. But on top of that, I just kind of stayed home, hung out. Nice. I mean, I made a quick day trip to Syracuse and had dinner with the wife. Uh, we like going up there. There's this place called the 110 Grill. And everything on their menu, they can make in gluten-free. Oh, nice. And allergy. Uh, so it's good because she can't have any of that. She's allergic to that and dairy. So then she gets to eat like a normal person, as she always points out. <laughs> nice. So, nice. That's cool. So other than that, though, I kept it very low-key. Of course, this upcoming week, Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, going to be over at Ken Ken's for the Super Bowl, as always. It's going to be a, gr- a hell of a group over there. Hoping the San Francisco 49ers take care of business because I don't like the Chiefs, but I'm also a Raiders fan. That's why I don't like the Chiefs. Yeah. As I've said this before on the show, has nothing to do with Taylor Swift. Has everything to do with, as a Raiders fan, you will never catch me rooting for the Chiefs. Yeah. Ever. Or the Broncos or the Chargers. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, I was asked who I wanted to win the Super Bowl. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> but if I have to go with somebody, I'm going with the 49ers. <laughs> See, I don't care either, but I have to root against, actively root yeah. against the, the the Chiefs. I just hope the stadium blows up and they both lose. That's, Ooh, that's how I'm most listen, used. <laughs> listen, I can't have the stadium blow up because that's the stadium uh, my team plays in. However, that might send them back down to LA or Oakland. By the way, that, that was the, by the way the, the drama of this week was that uh, the Raiders refused to let Kansas City have their locker room. They gave them, because uh, UNLV also plays at Allegiant, so they're like, yep, you can use UNLV's locker room, because it's on the home side as well. Yeah. It's smaller and doesn't have as much nice stuff in it. They're like, and when the league kind of was trying to push back at them, they were like, listen, we have things in there. They're a rival of ours. Like, we we can't remove everything, and we can't trust them to not steal the stuff. Yep. Like, and they're like, well, you know, honor, you know, there's a, like, yeah, honor. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> honor. Have you seen, have you seen who Patrick Mahomes is related to? <laughs> his, his brother's up for essays oh. and his, uh, I mean, I'm sorry. He got bought out of that one. Sorry, folks. Look it up if you don't. And his dad just got arrested for a DWI this past week. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the, the golden boy of the NFL has got some skeletons in the closet, brother. Oh. <laughs> hey, and they're, they're providing a locker room. <laughs> they are. Fuck they you. Are. Yeah. Fuck it. Oh, if, we, if we want your locker room. That, go to the visitor side then. And, and and then we would have gladly given the, the, the Raiders locker room to the uh the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> gladly. You know, we used to share we used to share across a bay with them, you yeah. know. We were on the we were on always I always said we were on the men's side, they were on the uh the ladies' side, but you know, hey. You know, no no offense there. Now they're in Santa Clara, so that's like an hour drive from San Francisco, yeah. so it's kind of weird they still call themselves the San Francisco 49ers, but that's, that's not here nor there. Not here nor there, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, uh, my mom's also a Niners fan, so for my mom, I'll also root for the Niners. Go Niners. I mean, Ron cannot root for the Niners because he's a Rams fan, and much like I can't root for the Chiefs, although Ron's in a real rude spot because he's like, I don't want to root for the goddamn Chiefs either. No. <laughs> so so we're, he's, he's so just I'm rooting. rooting for numbers. Yeah. You're, you're, I don't know what numbers I have in these pools, but I'm rooting for numbers. When I get my numbers, I'm rooting for that. I'm also rooting for any other side bets I might make, and uh, on top of all that, the commercials. Yeah. yeah. So every year, mm-hmm. I root for the commercials. My one buddy who does a bunch of pools is already like ah i got seven and seven i got three and seven i'm like shut up <laughs> it doesn't matter sometimes you get some wacky ones out yeah there. but with that being said though hopefully everybody has a great week upcoming have you hopefully had a great week the the previous week and I, I just hope you guys have a good time and whoever you're rooting for in the super bowl root for it if you're a kansas city chief fan i know i just kind of crapped on them but cheer for your team if you're a niners fan cheer for your team if you're like uh these gentlemen and even myself and you don't give a damn but you're still gonna watch the game have a great time be safe during your super bowl parties if you're not like you don't like sports ball that's fine as well enjoy the commercials uh, there's something for everybody uh, when the super bowl is around so with that being said though before we can jump into the fun parts of the show we do have to take care of one bit of business and that of course is the shameless opening plugs 
And of course, if you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN Podcast, go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you can find our social media links. You can find our T Public link. You can find the Patreon link, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and help support everything we do here. On top of all that, you can visit friends of the show like the ODPH. Go over to ODPHpodcast.com and check them out. There's a link right at the website. Also on top of that, nerdinitiative.com, the home of pop culture positivity. Check those guys out. Also check out the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed. Get that great wrestling content, comic content, and so much more over at Nerd Initiative. Now, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to all the musical acts who support our show by allowing us to use music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. And you can support them too by going to the musical directory at 3FNPodcast.com. Of course, big shout outs to Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN Podcast. Check them out and all the other great bands out on the musical directory. Of course, support them on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last, but not least, the people who allow us to bring this show to you each and every week, commercial-free, our sponsors. We'll kick it off with our local sponsor. First of all, it's Rex to Rod's Auto Detail. And if you're in the 607 and ready to put the pride back into your ride, Diesel, who do you call? 607. Oh, crap. I just had a brain fart. (laughs) (laughs) 77... 607-760-3389. Tell them the 3FN podcast sent you. Damn, I got to do diesel spots here. <laughs> and of course, uh, our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. For all vendor information, uh, guest information, and ticket information, go to scififihorrorfest.com. And our energy sponsor, Dubby Energy. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. And when you go to the checkout, use the promo code 3FNPOD, the number 3FNPOD, for 10% off of every order. And last but not least, our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games for all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs. Visit them on the World Wide Web. DragonMasterGames.com And if you forgot any of that, of course, just go to 3FNPodcast.com. It's got your hookup like Big Papa Pump. And Diesel almost took me out with his uh, tripping up over the number two. Like, that literally almost got myself as well. So both of us almost took the stumble and the fumble. But we leave that stuff in because it's always fun. And you know we're doing this shit live. Fuck it. Do it live. All right. With that, we got the business out of the way, which is awesome. Now we can jump into the fun parts because let's kick off the show with... Welcome to Diesel's movie, Triple Stuff. Uh, kind of another week of a slower box office, but coming in at number five for its seventh week, Migration with $4.1 million. Sticking around, hey, good family movie. It's that kind of time of year. Not, nothing's popping off, so hey, might as well make some money on it. For its eighth week on this list, Wonka with another $4.8 million. Another long time on the list. Uh, coming in at number three this week, we have The Beekeeper for its fourth week with another $5.3 million. Hey, it won't go away, and Ron said it's fun to go watch. Go, go yeah. see it. I have to, I'm going to go see it this weekend. I have already decided that. Coming in at number two is actually not a movie. It is episode 4.1 of the Christian show The Chosen with $6 million. It was the first like four episodes of the new season. The Christians are dropping that big money, <laughs> big bucks, about parlors. Let's go. And then debuting in the number one of the spot this week, pulling in a whopping $18 million, Argyle. 
We'll talk about uh, if that was a good or bad thing when we get to the 3FN Movie Club review, which, of course, will be Argyle in, uh, after the Diesel's movie triple stuff. Diesel, what's coming to the box office? All right. Coming out this week on February 9th, we have the comedy-slash-horror-slash-romance film Lisa Frankenstein. I'm going to probably check that out for sure. I'm going to definitely check it out. It's not going to be our review next week, but I'm checking it out. Also coming out this week, Out of Darkness. Ooh, okay. The Taste of Things. Uh, animated movie Turning Red and Peppa's Cinema Party. Well, hey, you got to have Peppa the Pig going on. Uh, by the way, next week's 3FN Movie Club review is not going to be a new movie. We are going to be going back in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to review Club Dread. That's right, Broken Lizards Club Dread is celebrating an anniversary, and we're going to review it right here on the 3FN Podcast. Uh, what's coming up the week after that, Diesel? Coming out February 14th on Valentine's Day, we have What About Love? Bob Marley, Colin, One Love, and Madam Web. Of course, uh, we, we're happy to say that the 3FN Movie Club that comes out after that will be Madam Web. So the next two weeks will be Club Dread, followed by Madam Web. And uh, I, I will say this, uh, they are actually coming out on Valentine's Day. Yep. So Wednesday opening day, or preview day, sorry, instead of the normal Thursday. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I did see that on the Regal schedule. So check your local cinemas if you would like to go on Valentine's Day. Because who knows? You might want to take your lovely to go see Madam Web. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I suggest it because I don't <laughs> think anybody's getting any play after that movie. Although I will say this, Argyle might be a good uh, couples movie to go see. We'll stick around for the review and you'll find out why. All right. Diesel, now that we've gone through the box office, new and old, what is this week's signature top three? This week is your top three favorite espionage, espionage slash spy movies. All right. I'm going to start off. Uh, number three, I got uh, Austin Powers. I'm going to go with the whole franchise, but yep. the original one, The Spy Who Shot, got to love it. Yep. It still holds the tad time. You got to have, have some comedy and yep. love in the world. Uh, my number two of all time in spy and espionage, and it's weird because I, I I'm such a big James Bond fan that I could just just fill everything yeah. with James Bond, but I'll just I'll only make one James Bond selection and I'll do it in the number one slot just so everybody knows. So my my number two was actually Glass Onion. I really did enjoy that yes. quite a bit. Uh, very mystery, very you know, it's, it's it's good stuff. It's a big good, good you know roll around. Although I should give it a shout out to I Spy as well, and if nobody else takes that one because that was always great because I always love hearing Owen Wilson sing sexual healing uh, but uh, that's just my honorable mention but my number one spot and I, I'm going to go with uh, and it's newer it's probably the, it is the newest Bond movie it's one of my favorites too of all time No Time to Die uh, I love the Daniel Craig run before that I was a, a sturgent it's Sean Connery's the best although I did love Roger Moore and you know Pierce Brosnan did a couple movies that I really liked but I think that the Daniel Craig run of Bond films is the best run of Bond films of all time shoot me if you don't agree but uh, yeah, we can all agree to disagree I just thought he was amazing and I thought No Time to Die was like the perfect end of a saga if you will Ron your top three uh, number three basic oh good nice. movie yeah. good movie love that movie it's been a while since I've seen it I gotta rewatch it uh, number two, I'm going with the 1984 classic Cloak and Dagger. Nice. <laughs> Knew that was coming. And then number one, I'm going with Safe House. Yeah. First, first time I could pull in a Ryan Reynolds movie this year. He also he also wanted to go with Cloak and Dagger because he's pushing hard. Like, we got to do Cloak and Dagger, man. Dude, listen, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I got to see that. That's why. Okay. Diesel, what's your top three? It's All an right. anniversary year. Going with number three, the 1980s classic If Looks Could Kill. Starring Richard Grieco. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> Number two, I'm also with you on the Austin Powers uh, franchise, but I will go specifically Austin Powers Gold Member. Ooh, <laughs> you know gold Member was, was, was good. 
And then number one, we're pulling in a comic book movie, Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. That works. Oh, very good. <laughs> very good. Good top threes. Of course, we always want to hear from you, so hit us up on those social medias. If you don't remember them or know them or you're not already following us, which you should, go ahead and we'll go to 3FNPodcast.com and check them out. That is going to do it for this week's Diesel's Movie Triple Stuff. And whenever we end and get out of the triple stuff, we dive right into... For this week's 3FN Movie Club review. And we got to see a brand new film. And of course, that brand new film is Argyle. So we're going to talk about it all right here on the 3FN Movie Club review. First of all, uh, as a little reminder how things work, if you're new to the show, thank you for giving us a shot. Hopefully you stick around. we got a lot more crazy things planned for the year 2024. Also take a listen to some of the older episodes and to check out some of our other reviews as well. Uh, so if you're new or if you just need a reminder, here's how it works. The 3FM Movie Club, that is, when it is a new movie. So it's broken into two spots, so you don't have to worry about the movie being spoiled. So the first section that's coming up right here is all spoiler-free. Diesel will give you his spoiler-free synopsis. I'll give you the stats of the movie, including who made the movie, who started the movie. And then we will go over to a thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation about the movie. And before, and that's all spoiler-free. Then we'll take a break. After the break, we'll give you one more warning before we dive into the spoiler full review, followed by the game where we guess all the scores around the internet, and finally, our scores for this movie. Gentlemen, with all that being said and the reminders out there, are you ready to talk about Argyle? Oh, yeah. All right, Diesel, I believe... Man, I got a story to tell. All right, famed spy novelist Ellie Conway finds out that art imitates life when she is thrown into a world of webs of lies and intrigue. Yeah, the bigger the lie, the bigger the spy. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Steal lines from the movie. Uh, of course, Argyle was released on February 2nd, 2024, with a runtime of 139 minutes. The estimated budget for this film, $200 million. Its domestic box office office opened up at $18 million. Its worldwide box office opened at a little over $34 million. So it's got a long way to go yeah. to get to that uh, money back. Just throwing that out there. By the way, when it's estimated budget, that's what it costs to make the movie. Not the advertisement. No. So you have to add like another. So it's about $300 million that they have to make to hit even. Uh, roughly. That's just the, the normal rough figures. Well, now that we know that portion, finally, it's time to find out. Who made this shit? And of course, uh, the director of this film was Matthew Vaughn. Uh, Matthew Vaughn, you remember him from his first movie, Layer Cake, in 2004. But then, let's be honest, he's had a hell of a career. He is the director of Kick-Ass. X-Men First Class, and then Kingsman The Secret Service, Kingsman The Golden Circle, and The Kingsman. Uh, hint, hint, we'll talk about that a little later <laughs> in the movie. Uh, the screenplay for this movie was written by uh, Jason Fuchs. Uh, Jason Fuchs uh, wrote his first movie, Ice Age Continental Drift, in 2012. Uh, he then did Pan, Wonder Woman, that's right, the first one, nice. and I Still See You. 
uh, to round it out. So, you know, hey, he's had one big hit with Wonder Woman. Who knows? Argyle might be the second. Uh, the director of photography on this film was George Richman. Uh, George's uh, first movie, The Hide, in 2008. Uh, then he would come back for Kingsman the Secret Service, Kingsman the Golden Circle, Tomb Raider, Rocket Man, Free Guy, that was put in there for you, and Pain Hustlers was the most recent film that uh, George Richmond was the DP for. And last but certainly not least, and I definitely did not list all this person's uh, stuff because goddamn, we'd be here all day. The composer of this film was Lorne Balf. Uh, Lorne Balf, first movie, Crying with Laughter in 2009. And then here we go, Mega Mind, Ironclad, Magpie, Terminator Genesis, that was for you, Ron. <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, Geostorm, I even forgot Geostorm was a thing. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, Gemini Man, you know, nope. I know you enjoyed that, didn't you, uh, Ron? That's right up your alley. No, I didn't even watch it, I already knew what happened in that movie. Will Smith must have liked him, though, because he came back for Bad Boys for Life, which they're wishing they didn't use that title for, because now they're coming out with a fourth one. Uh, Black Widow, Ambulance. Black Adam, Dungeon and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and most recently, uh, in the last couple months, Gran Turismo. Oh, nice. So, uh, very busy at work is uh, Lauren Balf. But, now that we found out who made the movie, it's time to find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? And sometimes we don't know where the budget goes, but the budget went to a lot of people in this movie. So, I've got a few deep dives, and then we've got a smaller roles. We, I went by the ones that were in bigger roles, and then everybody else, because, damn, we've got a lot of people. So, bear with us. Uh, first of all, this movie stars playing Argyle. Henry Cavall, of course, you know him as uh, Superman, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, first movie for Henry Cavall, uh, Vendetta, 2001. Uh, Immortals, Man of Steel, The Man from Uncle, Batman v Superman, Justice League, Mission Impossible Fallout, and in the Enola Holmes franchise is what you remember him from, as well as The Witcher. Yep. Uh, I wonder if he's ever going to sue DC over the fact that he gave up The Witcher for them just to cancel uh, the... The Snyderverse. It I, I came into my mind when I was writing this today. I just want to throw that out. Maybe, to but I think he was kind of done with that. Yeah, but still, it was kind of weird. Like, he gave him a lot of money for Netflix. Uh, next up, Bryce Dallas Howard playing Ellie Conway. Uh, first movie uh, Bryce Dallas Howard was in, Parenthood in 1989. She was then in Apollo 13 for reasons. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out, she is the daughter of the great Ron Howard. Yep. <laughs> uh, then uh, she did a little run for M. Night Shyamalan, uh, The Village and Lady in the Water. Yep. Then she was in the greatest Spider-Man movie of Diesel's lifetime, according to him, Spider-Man 3, where she played Gwen Stacy. Yep. Very, very little uh, bit in that movie, yep. but still she was, was in Gwen Stacy. And that was in between dance uh, uh, numbers. Yep. Yep. Unfortunate. Uh, she, she was in uh, one of the better Terminator movies, Terminator Salvation. It, it wasn't great, but it was better than some of the other ones we got. She was also in the Twilight Saga, because uh, she was in the last few films. And then the uh, Jurassic World trilogy, yep. which I heard they're rebooting Jurassic Park now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we saw her in Rocket Man recently. So, yep. so Bryce Dallas Howard, and she's also a director and a writer. So yep. she does a little bit of everything. Next up, and then this is somebody we were excited about: Sam Motherfucking Rockwell, baby, playing Aiden Wild. By the way, they spelled his last name on IMDb like porn stars spell Wild: W I L D E. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> so I just want to throw that one out to you. But yeah, Sam motherfucking yep. Rockwell. That's right. That's how much we like him. He gets that. You might know Sam Rockwell from his first movie, Clown House, in 1989. That's right. He was in a horror film first. <laughs> uh, then, by the way, he was the head thug 
in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. Oh, Remember right. the rubber yeah. suit one? Yep. He was the head thug there. <laughs> uh, he was in Lawn Dogs, The Green Mile, Galaxy Quest, Matchstick Men, Choke. That was for me yep. and you, Diesel, in particular. Frost Nixon, Moon, Iron Man 2, Seven Psychopaths, which is a great fucking <laughs> film. I, I will be doing that at some point. Of course, one of Diesel's favorite movie, uh, movies of all time, Three Billboards. Yep. And then uh, he was great in Jojo Rabbit and Richard Jewell. Yep. So, dude, Sam Rockwell, I will go to see any movie Sam Rockwell's in. I 100% am a Sam Rockwell stan. <laughs> Speaking of person, people we stan, Brian motherfucking Cranston. <laughs> we got a couple motherfuckers in this uh, in a good way because uh, that's director Ritter. Uh, Wings of uh, Hanamez in 1987. I probably butchered that. It was an anime. By the way. I didn't realize how much voice acting work oh, Brian yeah. Cranston yeah. did between animes and like just like things Power that Rangers. you would never Power Rangers. He's done a ton. Yeah. He did make a return to the Power Rangers world in that movie, the latest movie too, yeah. when he was Zordon. But yeah, it's just amazing. But anyways, that thing you do, Saving Private Ryan, Little Miss Sunshine, Drive, Argo, Godzilla, Trumbo, and Asteroid City, which came out that long ago. And, and uh, Ron, yeah. I know you were a big fan of. Uh, didn't he get one of your picks for the year? I do believe. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, and last but not least on the deep dives, because I thought she was badass in this movie, the return of Catherine motherfucking O'Hare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ruth. Uh, nothing personal in 1980 was uh, Catherine O'Hare's first film. After Hours, Beetlejuice, Dick Tracy, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Orange County, and she is slated to be in later this year, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. That, of course, is the sequel to the original Beetlejuice. Dude, I was so happy to see Catherine. Yeah, Harris. I love oh, Catherine. Yeah. I, a big fan. <laughs> big fan. And it's hard for me not to smile because I think of John Candy because I always think of Home Alone yeah. and the scene that they share in yeah. the van. And, of course, poka, poka, poka. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. John yeah. Candy. No, recipes, I, I, I also love her in, like, all the Christopher Guest movies. She is an unsung hero of Hollywood. Dude, absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, let's go playing Lagrange with Dua Lipa. Uh, Dua Lipa's been in everything, but you remember her from Barbie, Alita uh, Battle Angel, another big one, of course. Great musical career as well, yeah. so we're seeing a lot more of her. Speaking of musicians in this movie, playing Kira, and we just talked about her in a movie not that long ago as Ariana DeBose. Of course, most recently we talked about her uh, for West Side Story. Now, that's a joke. I wish it was West Side Story we talked to her about. We had to talk about her for ISS. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she was also in West Side Story, Hamilton, and Wish, to name a few, and also making some really good music. Uh, if you're on Patreon, we actually played a clip of the song that she made for this movie with the legendary boy, George. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Uh, Richard E. Grant is also a director in this movie. Uh, he, you remember him from Gosford Park, uh, Can You Ever, Hudson Hawk, Saltburn. I know a lot of people are big fans of Saltburn. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I haven't. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see him. <laughs> John Cena is Wyatt in this film. And, of course, you remember John Cena from some classics as The Suicide Squad, Bumblebee, 12 Rounds, and uh, Fast 9 and Fast X, where Diesel really loved him in. Don't let him <laughs> lie to you. He was a big, big fan of the legendary John Cena. By the way, John Cena, how great is he as an actor? <laughs> he's, he's actually... I enjoy him in most everything I've seen him in at this point. I'll bypass the WWE films, but... I loved him in Bumblebee. I think he was great in uh, Blockers. Like, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's a great actor. Don't actually. watch Freelance. Yeah. Freelance <laughs> yeah. isn't that good. Okay. Well, I, I got like halfway through it and I stopped. We just got to give one more shout out, by the way. And uh, remember, I've been using the, 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 the word motherfucker a lot here. Because, you know what, when you're legendary and we do an adult podcast, you throw that around. But there's a reason why you throw that word around, and especially in this movie. Because the most legendary motherfucker of all time. 
the man who put motherfucker on the map. And to see how many times I can say motherfucker in honor of him, <laughs> that is Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson is in the his house as Elfie. Dude, I love Sam Jackson. Of course, <laughs> Pulp Fiction, The Hateful Eight. Uh, he is Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Snakes on a Motherfucking Plane, uh, Jungle Fever, you name it, uh, Deepest, Bluest, My Head is Like a Shark's Fin. I could go off my, the top of my head for a million and a half years. He was in Juice. Uh, he was also in uh, Coming to America, one of his first roles. Jeez, I, I, we could sit here and name yeah. Sam Jackson films forever. He is Mace fucking Wandu. Okay, <laughs> this man has been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars. Lude, get him in a Star Trek film ASAP. Let's get all the nerd. He needs to be in every nerd franchise out there, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know the greatness of Sam Jackson, I don't know where to start. Guys, what do you think about the Sam Jackson? Yeah, Sam Jackson, absolute legend. In oh, yeah, both for like. The Tarantino films to the Marvel Universe to the Star Wars Universe to c- cinematic classics. The man's done it all. He's done it all. He's been through it all. And I there's a rumor that Mace Windu might make his uh, ret- return. Yep. There's a rumor. I mean, what? come on. Boba what? Fett made a return, too. So, listen. <laughs> nothing is off for those, those, those shows that you get on Disney+. Plus. Doing the Lord's work, folks. Doing the Lord's work. Well, with that being said, we have now gotten uh, through that whole thing. So it is now time to give our spoiler-free thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, or thumbs down recommendation for this movie. Remember, it is spoiler-free, gentlemen, with a quick spoiler-free why, if you would like. We will start with Ronald. What is your recommendation, spoiler-free, for Argyle? Uh, This is a thumbs up. It's a very entertaining movie, for the most part. You're not going to be upset that you see it. It is a spy, you know action movie you know so it's it's got all that tropes and it, everybody delivers i think they all deliver their a game so it's really worth watching all right diesel your recommendation spoiler free reminder and why i definitely give this a thumbs up as someone who's not into the spy genre as much as you guys i thought what they did throughout this movie they did really well even though there were some tropes that they used that would normally annoy me i thought the way that they do this in this movie was very entertaining i love the cast and some of the action scenes i love for other reasons <laughs> of course you did. of course uh i'm gonna say this and i'm probably gonna be when we go to the review peek behind the curtain i'm probably gonna be the lowest on this movie but i also am giving it a thumbs up in the spoiler free recommendation for a couple reasons it is an entertaining film it is a fun film to watch and i also think that it came out on the wrong week because I really think that this movie should have came out next week for Valentine's Day because this would have been a great and I know they didn't put themselves in a couple's movie but there is kind of some yeah. love in this movie and I think that that would have came off better than what we're getting next week no offense to Bob Marley because I love some Bob fucking Marley let's be honest but Madam Webb Nothing screams Valentine's about that. Listen, if you take a, your lady friend to Madam Webb on Valentine's Day I'm pretty sure you ain't getting nothing I don't know. I have good luck with the Sony uh, comic book movies. <laughs> it's cringy. Carnage 2, or uh, Venom 2, was a panty dropper. <laughs> I just wanted to be friends. Do, we, do you really want to remember that, then? <laughs> exactly. Once again, you don't want to remember the movie. You don't want to remember what happened after the movie. That is our PSA to you fine folks out there. Now, we are going to now take a break. Uh, you're going to hear from one of our good podcasting friends. When we come back, we are going to dive into the spoiler full review of Argyle. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, and you're listening to the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. You're falling apart, and you know it. You try and try to... 
show it I need you to know I felt it too And I'm still trying to figure it out Just like you Just like you Right now, some of you might be going, what does George Michael's Careless Whisper have to do with Argyle? Well, there's a song on the soundtrack called uh, Careless Whisker that did not sound good enough, so we wanted to play the actual Careless Whisper as we come back for the second half of this week's 3FN podcast. Of course, it is the 3FN Movie Club review of Argyle. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to jump into the nitty gritty. So, if... You have not seen Argyle, and you do not want the movie spoiled for you. This is your time to stop the podcast, go ahead, go see the movie, come back, and hear what we have to say. However, if you've seen the movie or you don't care if it is spoiled, we are about to jump into the spoiler full review of Argyle right about... Now, and of course, uh, if you are new to this, uh, we do not go through scene for scene for the movie. We just kind of do a skeleton structure outside the movie before giving our likes and dislikes of the film. Before then playing the game to find out the scores from around the internet and then giving our scores. So with that being said, let's dive in and uh, I'm going to take us on the journey. I'm not going to go scene for scene for this movie because I don't think we have to. uh, But let's just cover some of the basic ground. So in the beginning of this movie... We open up with like a classic, in my opinion, like a funnier, cuter version, but a classic version of like a, a James Bond open, you know, a hot action scene in the beginning. But then we find out real quick that this is uh, just in the writer's head yep. Yep. because these, we sorry. These are the excerpts from the book that she's reading because these are from Ellie Conway's book series, Argyle. Yeah. And she's reading them to fans yep. at a signing for book four. And she's been working on book five as well, but this is book four. And she's talking about Argyle, who is her spy creation. And it's obviously a hit with the masses because everybody's gotten Argyle crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even during the Q&A, we kind of learn a little bit about Ellie Conway, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. At one point in juncture, a young gentleman shoots a shot. Got to get, by the way, got to give him credit. <laughs> okay. He shot a shot. But unfortunately, she tells him that he has she has a hot day, and we find out no, she's just going back to her secluded house in the I think state of Washington. It kind of looked like. yeah, because she, she kind of looked like that pristine uh, Northwest look, and she uh, goes back to the house and says, "Oh, that's where I'd rather be writing my book, finishing it up." And she finishes the manuscript for book five, which she had told a fan or sooner than you think that before shipping it off to her mom. And the next morning, her mom read the whole manuscript and said, "Nah, the ending don't work for me, brother." Yeah. Which we, like the we see the ending. Yes, we do. Because as she's planning it out, every time she's planning out the book, we get to see Argyle in like in real action. And like when she has the writer's block coming up after this, trying to figure out a new ending, <laughs> Argyle is just like standing there while the words shoot by, and he's <laughs> like, "Yeah, this is not working." <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting. And of course, uh, also in the fantasies, we have Wyatt, who is played by John Cena, and of course Han- Her- uh, Henry Cavill is playing the one and only Argyle. That's where they come and play. So now she's getting all stressed out. So she ends up going to the city to see her parents, spend some time, maybe get some ideas. And on her way there, uh, once again, another good-looking gentleman offers to sit with her. And she says, nope, that's taken by another man. 
Well, another man does come up that she tries to get rid of, and he looks a little uh, shabby. A little un- unkempt. <laughs> so she, he's like, oh, I can see you don't want to you know, talk, so I won't bother you. And she notices that he's reading Argyle. And as he's sitting there reading the book later on, it seems like some time has gone by. All of a sudden, he finishes the book, and he looks at the back cover, and he looks over, and he goes, you're her. You're Ellie Conway. You, Oh, my God. This whole time, I sit across from legendary Ellie Conway, and they get to small chat. She asks him what he does. And, uh, Ron, what is this man's answer? Espionage. Yeah, and she, he goes, I know, in your books, the only thing you get wrong, really, is that we all don't look handsome and jacked. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The next person that comes up is going to ask for your uh, autograph, and they're going to try to kill you. And I'm here to stop that from happening. <laughs> so you're not going to believe me until, you know, some people get beat up and a gun falls on your lap, but then you'll trust me enough to give me the tightest hug of all time so we can get out of here. And it's kind of funny because he then starts kicking ass, but while he's kicking ass, what is what is uh, what is uh, Ellie Conway see Diesel? She starts seeing glimpses of her own creation argyle fantastically played by henry cavill interplacing with the shots of the spies trying to stop her from being killed so basically after this fun fight scene because i gotta say this in this movie one of the major positives all the fight scenes are pretty fun in this fun fight scene they end up blowing out of the back door and just going on a paragliding ride yep. and of course for one of the many times in this movie ellie conway passes the fuck out <laughs> She comes to there in a cabin, and he explains more to his name is Aiden, and that her books were somehow dead on to something that's happening in real life. And he needs her help because there's bad guys who also think that her words are onto something. So she needs to get that before the bad guys do, so she has a chance to stay alive. And to prove it, he's got a live feed going into her house where the bad guys are rummaging through her stuff, trying to figure out any clues that they can gather. So this is where we go on this little uh, hunt, and we'll go skip over quite a lot of this, even though it's not bad. You know, they end up figuring out where there's, there was a meeting with somebody, and then the person didn't come through, and now we're trying to find that person's flat, and because they're in London, and they get the cryptography book, and we get the fun scene from the uh, uh, the, the trailers where they drop the cat onto the mat to prove that he well he does it to prove there's a crash pad there, and then when they jump off, they launch the cat back into the air, uh, you know, before getting away. So it's kind of like all these little stuff, and it's not that. It's it's bad it's just you know there's no need to dive into the yeah well he, he does the one thing that's important in the that action scene is when they're making their way out and they're going through the waves of spies that are trying to kill them he tries to show her the old twist and shout <laughs> yeah pretty much because he's like i'm gonna take care of them you're just gonna walk through the hallway and you're gonna stomp on their heads the and skull is surprisingly fragile. It's so like an egg, if you will. <laughs> so she tries to, but she she delays and she can't quite do the old twist and shout. So they they go running, and then we get to the the escape. Yeah, and and so after they escape and they get to a, a hotel where they can stay, uh, we get our first twist. Well, there's many twists. Well, technically, before this is a twist that these are the espionage and all this, but we get our first little twist of the movie of the fact that now Ellie is like, hey. Uh, you know, you can use the shower. He goes and he's talking to somebody on the phone. He 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 gets overheard by her saying, "I'm going to bring her to her, you, and then I'm going to that or else I'm going to put a bullet in Ellie Conway's head." So she thinks he's going <laughs> to kill her, uh, which we find out different later. So she goes running off and ends up calling her mom and says, "Hey, you and Dad, come to England. I don't have my passport or anything. I you know whatever. Come here and help me out." So they come to the the room and stuff. Now the key that to this is all happening is there's this call the directory is is found her which she calls the directive in her books yeah. but it's the directory in real life and uh, we have seen throughout the leader of the directory played by Brian Cranston and they're you know obviously you know 
planning things. So we get to the hotel room and, you know, she's on edge, obviously. You know, we have to say low-key, did anybody follow you to her mom, who's played by Catherine O'Hare? And she's like, nobody followed me. Don't be ridiculous. And then there's a knock at the door. And she goes, it's just your dad. And, uh, Ron, what happens? Who comes walking through the door? It is the leader of the directory. Right. <laughs> Brian Cranston's character. But what do we find out, Ron, after he comes in the room? That she... He's Ellie's dad. Yeah. So she walks in. He's like, oh, dad, it is just you. And now he's acting like a good guy. And you're just like, what? No, I'm like, what the fuck is going on over here? Like, you know, you're like, what the fuck? We've just seen him as the bad guy. And it's her dad. And they're trying to capture her. Why didn't her dad just, you know, we don't, you know, it's crazy. So she says, oh, she has this crypto book. So he's overlooking at it. We find out later he's actually taking pictures with his glasses of it. But he's over, he's overlooking at it. And in the meantime... Agent Aiden comes busting in and uh, he's like, you can't trust them. You know, we know what this looks like. He's like, and of course, at one point in juncture, uh, the director breaks his thing of just being Ali Zabba saying, hey, listen, you know, if you mess with me, they're going to come and find you until you're dead. You know that. And in the meantime, her mother does what, Diesel? Well, she uh, pulls a gun on her own daughter and Aiden says, fuck that. And she was just. Well, before that, she's speaking with an English accent. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, and my then, mom's English. And then, sorry. Yeah, and then uh, Aiden, he, he plays no games and just shoots her right in the chest, and Mama goes down. And uh, that buys enough time for the two of them to get out of there, and they're on the <laughs> and they're on the lam, if you will. She even left her cat behind. And Argyle's been left behind. Or not Alfie. Argyle. Alfie's Alfie been left behind. behind. So now they're in the car, and he's basically like, hey, if you can go back for the cat, you'll be dead. Or you can come with me, get some answers, and you can live. Your choice, but I'm not going to die today. <laughs> so she gets in the car, and she's driving along with Aiden. Of course, she has a little breakdown before she goes to sleep. And when she wakes up, Ron, where are they when she wakes They're up? They're in a vineyard in France. Yeah, somehow they went from England to France, and that drive, you know, Aiden must have drove all night. He drove all night. Gone underneath the channel, too. <laughs> through the channel, yeah. By the way, you do need a passport, so I don't know how. But then again, he's a spy. He is a spy. He's he a probably spy. had backup. So anyways, they get there, and then we get to whose who's vineyard is this, Diesel? The real Alfie. Played by Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson in the house. It was great, uh, of course. And he starts to explain. You know, she, he goes he goes to, you know, Ellie, hey, come with me. And I'll show you, you know, and we'll, we'll talk. Go for a walk. So they go for a walk. He's telling her about wine and how they found, you know, this from where the grapes are from and how in France they found how they used to make it. So now they make it the old-fashioned way. And then he opens up this room and it's all this spy stuff. Because as we found out before, Elfie is used to be the director of the CIA. Uh, she's very aware of who he is. Yep. So as they go in, he basically says, well, you know why we needed you? Because think about your life. It's not real. And he pulls up the dossier, and what is the big twist, Diesel? That Ellie Conway's real name is Rachel, or R. Kyle. R. Kyle. Get it? R. Kyle? Get it? R. Guile? R. Kyle? Oh, my God. Oh, man. It was so original. Oh, man. It's kind of almost as good as, uh, uh, I still know what you did last summer. Get it? Ben, son? Ben, son? <laughs> Duh. Uh, but anyways, uh, so in the meantime, Aiden brings basically Rachel slash Ellie up to speed and says, hey, we were a team. We were partners. Basically, I am the Wyatt to your Argyle. So thank you for making me this big muscular sex symbol. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've, I, I don't know. I found that flattering. Maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, and he's basically explaining everything to her. And tells her that 
Kira was actually real as well. Yeah, Kira was well and real, and, and in the real fight with Lagrange, she may, met her demise. So that she's basically rewriting, and he goes into the story at this point in juncture of what they did between him and Alfie, saying, "Hey, they brainwashed you. You had an accident." After the accident, they got you before we could. They found you. The directory took you, put you away, and then they fucking brainwashed you. So, and then what they did ingeniously after you were brainwashed to think that the, the director was your dad and the, that Ruth was your mom. After they did that, they gave you clips of your life in a diary written by them so that you would start writing things. And now you're leading them to where they need to be because it was you that met with the guy that didn't show up and it was you that had to get the crypt. So the whole time it was you. And throughout the movie, she sees Argyle and she thinks she's losing her mind and it's not. It's actually her subconscious telling her who she is the whole time. Yeah. So uh, they basically say, hey, the, the, the good news is they, uh, in the meantime, Alfie breaks the code in the crap cryptographer's book and they find out that, hey, your secret is being kept by the keeper. And uh, Ron, what is interesting about the keeper? The keeper is in uh, Dubai. Yes, it is Dubai. Yeah, it's in. Uh, it's just a female that just knows all the secrets. Right, and she has a because of her, her religion. She's Muslim. Yeah, she has the uh, an oath to keep quiet. She can't tell any and divulge anybody's secrets. Yeah. So people take advantage of that in the underworld and the spy world. <laughs> so she keeps everybody's secrets. That's why they call her the keeper, which gives her po- great power. Yeah, and basically, you know, Ellie at this point is like, I can't convince anybody that I'm. Rachel Kyle, I can't, I can't do that. And they're like, sure he can. So in the meantime, they go visit the keeper Diesel, and before they get to see the keeper, they're they're dancing, and she's like, I don't dance, and it's like, oh no, you do. And they, we find out more about their relationship, and they're more than just partners. There was something there, and he picks her up like we see with the early scene from the beginning of the movie with Argyle and uh, Lagrange with doing the the dance. And he does that with her. Pretty much, pretty much. We find out they were secret lovers. <laughs> it's what they were, yeah. See, I remixed that a little bit there. And then she finally gets to meet the keeper. And at this point, she's like, she's still nervous, but she's like, I can do this. Well, yeah, because yeah. she sees Argyle in the reflection. And Argyle says, you got this. You know what the fuck to do. You don't need me anymore. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she gets hard ass. She's just like, to the kids. So she's like, well, are you going to give me my fucking secrets or not? Like, Or am I going to have to take that box from you? And she's like, that's, uh, and the that's the like, Argyle I that's know. That's the Argyle I know. Do you want to use my computer? Can I, how can I trust your computer? Of course you can trust my computer. I'm the fucking keeper. Nobody's getting in on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, she opens the files and she finds something out in the files. But we don't find that out right away. See, she goes down and she talks to gives eight in the files and says, did you know? And we're all like, what the hell's going on? But in the meantime, Ruth is there. Ruth is there with some henchmen from directory. And of course, you can't shoot out or fight in the keeper's presence. No. That's not allowed. Her guards will murder fucking everybody. They don't give a shit. So they go and have tea. <laughs> and while they're having tea, what do we find out, Ron? That, well, that's the part with... Well, they end up getting the sleep drugs, but that's the oh, part yeah. where we find out that uh, that our Kyle is a very loyal soldier yeah. to the directory, yeah. and she actually killed the cryptographer. That is how this whole thing got, and then her escaping because he had his shit set up booby-trapped, because he was smart, to save her own life, that's how she ended up fucking with amnesia. That's right. And getting all fucked up. So she was still doing the directive's bidding, even though she was supposed to be working with her lover, Aiden, so, to get his stuff. Not only does she find out that she's actually a spy, she then finds out she's a double agent. <laughs> well, what a twist. Well, well, actually, even worse than that, she finds out she's technically on the bad guy side at first. Yeah. She's not even a double agent. I mean, Aiden's like trying to convince her she was a double agent. She's like, 
fuck i was a bad guy like what the fuck and of course she starts getting her memories back so they all uh, the tea they had all knocks them out it's just sleeping drug right and they take them back to the directory and of course at the directory's headquarters which i i love the reveal we'll get to in a second <laughs> of where the headquarters are because it was super fucking espionage kind of layer it was a secret layer <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a second uh but they get back there and basically there's this moment between Rachel slash Ellie, whatever you would like to call her, and who she thought was her father, which is Director Ritter. And he's basically like, listen, you weren't my daughter, but in the last five years, we've gotten very close because of the S thing. But before that, I would like to believe we were also close. You have always been, I've always been good to you. You were my best student and you have, you know, always been loyal to me. So, you know, she's basically like, hey, we need to find out where Elfie is because as long as he's around, we're going to get fucked over. You know, it doesn't matter. So she's like, okay, well, take me to Aiden. I can make him talk. And he was like, well, we're trying to make him talk now. She's like, I can make him talk. So she goes in the room and we have this little confrontation. Ron, what kind of happens in this confrontation? Well, there's uh, uh, Aiden's in, tied to the chair. So she's telling him, you know, you need, you need to tell us where Alfie is through this, you know. I think the line exactly is, if you tell me now, it'll be quick and painless for him when I kill him. If not, for every minute you make me wait is every minute I'm going to torture him. Yeah. And then she ends up getting close and giving him, you know, a way to break the chair. No, no, no. She shoots that motherfucker. She shoots him in the heart. That's right. I forgot about the heart thing. Yeah, Yeah, she ends up shooting him in the heart because she got an email from a super fan. Well, well no, that goes yeah. later. That comes later. But yeah, she shoots him in the chest and then goes up close and removes the locket from his neck and walks away. So they away. can check it if it's got some kind of tracking device. And she goes, I know that I can find him myself because yep. he was never going to give up Alfie. Yep. So he goes, she goes back with Ruth and director Ritter and they're searching for where this vineyard is. In the meantime, the henchmen are there to clean up the fucking mess and the mess being Aiden. And they're like, he's like, the one guy's just being disrespectful. He's like, Hey, treat him with some respect. He's a legend. He's like, he was a legend. And then he comes back to life, gets out of the fucking chair, and kills both those motherfuckers, and then shoots himself with enough adrenaline. <laughs> they, they, I thought we were watching fucking Crank. I'm just going to throw it out there. If we would have gotten, like, gotten new metal music and some house music, it would have been fucking Crank. Amy Smart like, shows up. It, it was like three in, three in one leg, one in the other leg. <laughs> So basically, in the meantime, she's up there, and she uh, they let her access to the computer, and she tried to be the double agent to backdoor the, the files to Alfie, but then realizes that there's been some safeguards put on by Ritter, and of course, that is that he's the only person that can give access to the, have that out. So she's got to find a way around it, but also stay alive. So she goes down to the gun room, smart move, and uh, by the way, the armory is fucking dope. <laughs> And in the meantime, Aiden finds his way to the armory as well. And then she gives up the gun and says, hey, whatever, whatever. So what happens now is what you were saying. Yeah. You shot me in the chest. She was like, but I shot you in the two inches that goes in between the chest. She's like, a fan had Because earlier we found out about a fan that she was going to bring Ky- uh, Kira. Kira back. Sorry, I was almost like Kyrie. I'm thinking about Kyrie Irving for some reason. But she was going to bring Kira back from the dead in the next book. And the reason why as a fan had sent her a thing where uh, there's this way that you can get shot in between your ventrals and there's a two inch window and it won't kill you as long as you uh, fucking put something in there to stop the bleeding and that is how you could bring her back so she reveals that to Aiden and says that's what I did and it worked and he goes so you want me to believe that after five years of never shooting a gun you shot for the littlest spot that you could and I'm alive and she's like you're breathing aren't you and he's like, good point. I would, I'd like to meet that fan. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I just love the fact that she's like, you're breathing, right? And he's like, 
Yeah, yeah. 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 That's pretty good points. Good points. So then we get, uh, what do we get next, Diesel? Because I know you're probably a fan of this. All right. So this is probably my favorite scene. We have the most epic fight slash dance scene. <laughs> they decide that they're going to dance. And when they say they're going to dance, they are stocked up to the gills with guns and they have different colored like smoke flares smoke grenades going off and they are going through and they are going through the ship dancing with each other and killing every single henchman that is unfortunate to run across them absolutely headquarters what's then our kyle picks up her partner and does the whirly bird <laughs> in one of the greatest dance slash fight scenes I've ever seen. I don't know if we've explained the whirly bird. What is the, how do you, the whirly bird? How is, do you do the whirly bird? So in the beginning <laughs> of the movie, when we have the Argyle and Lagrange character shown in the trailer dancing, he picks her up, you know, puts her shoulders <laughs> over her, puts her legs I, on his shoulders. Do you whirly bird? And, yes. Listen, listen, this is an adult podcast. He gets her on his shoulders, and what can only be described is, "I'm about to eat your fucking pussy." Yeah. In position and spins in circles. Like, right. Let's be honest. We're an adult podcast. We can say that. That is really what it is. It is l- right leg on right shoulder, left leg on left shoulder. Box mid- and face. Muff, muff right in your face. I know you couldn't hear that because I muffled myself with my hand. But muff right in face. And like literally you're two seconds. You're like, you're literally inches away from just being like. Ah. But but you don't. It's a dance. So we get the call back to that in the keeper's uh, headquarters when he picks her up and does that. But he says, you're a big fan of the Whirlybird. Well, it turns out that the Whirlybird is when she picks him up. Yes. So in other words, his legs on her shoulders. In other words, sausage is on the menu, folks. <laughs> but it's a beautiful like dance scene where they're spinning around, shooting people, and you got the different colored smokes going, and they're making the heart. I will say it would have been a better scene if uh, Wrecking Ball was playing. So I because the last the last the last scene we got to see the wrecking ball was amazing. See, in my head, I I wanted to have a flashback of her characters, and I wanted to see John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) My time is up. My time is now. I I really wanted the Henry Cavill John Cena world. I was hoping for that at the end. By the way, when they go, we'll talk about that in a second. So, anyways, uh, after that, they end up getting chased down by the head guy, and they're in a room. And every time they shoot something, a black substance comes out. We find out it's crude oil because we still don't know where this layer is, but there's crude oil. Well, there'll be a tipper off to it in a second. as we find this out, basically they're fucked, right? And uh, she's like, well, you know, whatever. And then she goes, wait a minute. Uh, he's trying to get a kiss. He's like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. We might as well go out with a, with a bang. <laughs> he's trying to get blade, whatever. And she's like, wait a minute. You said before that some of that stuff that they used about my background was real. Was the ice skating stuff real? And he was like, yeah, you were a really good ice skater before, you know, you joined the service and everything. <laughs> and she uh, then takes two blades and attaches them to her combat boots. And she proceeds to ice skate on oil, which I don't know how possible is. No, uh, but, but it still was a badass scene. I'm just going to throw it out there as badass. I'm not complaining that no. much. Yeah, and she she is skating down this place, and she is using her gun yeah. as sort of like a hockey stick, and she's checking people. She's attached to the bayonet. Yeah. She is killing people, and she comes against the main bad guy, and she just nonchalantly kills him. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. So they get out of there, and their option is we need to go to the control room, because once we get to the control room, we can override it. So they get to the control room, and they find out there's another failsafe 
And that failsafe is you need retinal scan. Well, in the meantime, the director's like, fuck it, if I gotta do it, I gotta do it myself. So he grabs Clementine, which is his grandfather's gun, and he <laughs> takes it down to blow their brains out. And uh, as they confront each other, and it looks like it's over for our heroes, I'm gonna only go to Diesel, because I am assuming this is one of your other favorite parts of this movie. You'd actually be here wrong. Oh, wait a minute, so Ron. <laughs> no, he can go. <laughs> well, so, he, he's, he... all of a sudden, out of nowhere, her cat, Alfie, jumps up and saves the day and claws the absolute leather fucking <laughs> shit out of the director's face. All of a sudden, and while it's going on, at first they're like, Aiden's like, fuck yeah. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, we need his eyes. <laughs> so he ends up shooting the director, killing him, and they get the cat off, but the cat's already done too much damage to the eyes. So now we're fucked there. So then she's like, oh, something you taught me. We just have to go to the antenna. So once again, the goalpost moving, we'll talk about that in a minute. But now we finally find out where the lair is. Ron, what is the lair? It is one big giant cargo oil ship yep. the, the, in yep. the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yep. So they go out to the antenna and uh, they override and they start sending the message out. And then Ruth shows up. And Diesel, what does Ruth have? Ruth has the music box that they use during the brainwashing. And when the music box is turned on and a few choice words are said, it's the Manchurian candidate. Damn. I, you know what? I'm glad <laughs> you said it because that, that was going to be my line because I didn't know you say Manchurian candidate. So high fives. We're on the same brain like there. So, yes, she becomes the Manchurian candidate and starts beating the shit out of Aiden. And Aiden won't hurt her, which is dumb on his behalf. Uh, but he, she won't hurt her. And as they fight, and it looks like it's. Uh, curtains for our friend Aiden. The twist and shout is about to happen. <laughs> right. So, so as as it is is about, he's about to have his head caved in, and he's just like, uh, "Just remember, I love you." And he's even like, "I get it on for some fucking reason, weirdo." Uh, what happens out of fucking absolute nowhere, Ron? Uh, that's when the one Ruth gets fucking clouded upside her head, head by, by some it. worker. Yeah. Yeah. At first, ran, it's some ran, worker. Ran, random worker. Yeah. Some random worker. We yeah. didn't see out of nowhere with a wrench fucking yeah. clocks Ruth upside Which you, head. Which yeah, I didn't see any workers in the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this worker comes up with a wrench and full PPE clocks her. The music box stops and we get the reveal. That it's the real-life inspiration from Kira. Yes, it's Kira, who is not dead, because she's also the fan who wrote in about yeah. the heart thing, because that's how she stayed alive. Yes. <laughs> so Kira's alive, which is, and now they restart the timer. Al, Effie gets, uh, Elfie, Effie. Uh, I'm thinking about Effie. I'm thinking about Daddy. I love Daddy. Uh, Elfie gets the, uh, the, 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 the files, and we're going to have a happy ending as they sail off. And then we're back, and they're talking about it. But by, when they're sailing off, though, is we get to see what they looked like in her mind because she starts talking about the finishing of the book which is the the thing so we have John Cena's Wyatt and Henry Cavill's Argyle and I'm like let him kiss <laughs> let, him, let him kiss because they had just done kissing I'm like I, I, I don't listen I, I never I never wanted to see two men kiss more in my fucking life and I'm like please this movie's gonna go up a full point if they fucking just if I get to see John Cena kiss Henry Cavill right now and I mean that and I, I, I would have loved it but because of the way the story is told and you're believed to like she sees Argyle as her creation and he is in real life then she starts seeing uh, Aiden as Argyle during the fight scenes. Then we find out, no, she is actually Argyle and he was Wyatt. You're just like, oh, <laughs> I want to see this happen. <laughs> and then they're at a book signing where she's telling a story and like they have a Q&A 
And one of the questions is, how did everybody end up? So we get the little, she's like, well, you know how Kira said she was like Steve Jobs if she didn't work to this. Well, basically, she took that tech and became Steve Jobs. And then she goes, oh, well, Elfie got the, the commendation medal for CIA. And, you know, I'd like to believe he's doing well. And then she says something about Argyle, you know, Argyle and, and Wyatt were always partners. So they'll continue on that way. And, you know, obviously, Aiden's in the crowd. It was it, That part was weird. <laughs> you got to admit, that, was, that part was weird. So we, we get to the end of the movie, and then there's a bonus scene. So if you didn't stay around, you missed the bonus scene. And the bonus scene, I thought, was fucking ingenious and epic. Uh, Ron, do you remember the bonus scene or no? It's, uh, it sh- shows a, like a bar. That's just so, so all of a sudden you see this character we've never seen, and he enters a bar. And what was the pub called? See, I don't know this because I don't know the... What worked getting into? Oh, I don't oh, know that franchise oh, that at all. So the pub oh, is just called the, the Kingsman. Kingsman. Okay, yeah. Ha! The movie, the yeah. Kingsman. Yeah. So he comes in, and it's like twenty and years earlier. It's like it says twenty years earlier, and they comes in, and basically he goes up to the bar and says the little you know with a twist, just the twist, which is the code word that the Kingsman use. And so the guy gives him a gun, like like the Kingsman <laughs> would give you a gun, and it then he introduces himself as Aubrey. Aubrey Argyle. And then we get promised that the, there's going to be a movie about the book. Yeah. It, so I don't know if that's really going to happen, especially on a $200 million movie that didn't do so well in the box office. But it was still kind of a cool tie into the Kingsman a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I don't know if it really ties into the Kingsman or if they're just using that because the creator of this movie, the director of this movie, is also the director of the majority of the Kingsman movies. I think he only didn't direct the original. Yeah. Outside of the original, he did the prequel. He did the two other ones. Oh, okay. So I think he didn't. Do, I, I could be wrong. He might have done the original, but when I read it off, I think I just read yeah. off three. And I think there's four Kingsman movies, right? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, see, I don't know that franchise whatsoever. But we missed the one, the last question after oh, sorry, Q&A, sorry. too. Sorry, go ahead. Because uh, we just get a random guy stands up and is like, well, you might have some questions for me. And lo and behold, we see Henry Cavill looking a little different. But obviously, he is also Argyle. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he was, she was writing about a real Argyle. And which leads into the Kingsman yeah. thing, which is kind of yeah. cool. But yeah, no. So, anyways, that is pretty much the movie in a nutshell. And uh, let's let's now go into the yeah, the last one. He was just a producer. Okay, he was just a producer. The King's Man. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the prequel. And then the Kings, Kingsman, just a producer for Kingsman's Golden Circle. Okay. And then Kingsman producer and director. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so let's get into the likes and dislikes because we're at that time. So uh, I'll start with you, Diesel. Likes for the Kingsman. I absolutely love the cast. All, all the way around, uh, from the fictional characters of the movie to the main players to the side characters. I thought everyone did a great job. And the action scenes, I thought were, especially the the, the Whirlybird. I, one of the best action scenes I've seen in a long time. I thought like the use of colors and the smoke to make hearts and then just murdering people was really cool. Um I really like the humor in this movie. I, I was chuckling throughout this entire movie. I like the fact, because I'm not a big spy movie guy, they really, they told the story, but they didn't take themselves too seriously. Like, in the inverse of, like, the Fast and the Furious franchise, where they take the movie seriously, they had fun with this, and yes. you could tell that they were having fun with this. Gotcha. Yeah. Ron, some likes from the movie. I was wrong. He was directed all three of those. Okay. I apologize. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it, it's a movie where, like you said, the cast was epic through this whole movie. Everybody was amazing in this movie. I thought everybody 
brought their A game to this movie. Like either I don't think anything was bad. Even the small little mundane little cameos or little characters, like even you know the you know the like the head honcho bad guy. Yeah. Like he, he wasn't on screen long. He didn't do much, but he was okay. Like he yeah. did great. Like unlike some other movies where you get bigger, you know, bad guys that just don't deliver what you yeah. want them to deliver. Um, it is a very colorful spy movie. Yes. There is very little to do at night. Most of the action takes place during the day, which is very a strange way to make a spy movie. Yeah. Everything, 90% of it happens at night usually because they're trying to do this. Uh, this one hits everything in the daytime, and I think that's really uh, brings out a lot more in this movie. Yeah. Um, it, it just shows that you can do a spy movie during the day, which, you know, it's, you know, a cliche that doesn't really happen. So, and it, I think the story is fine. Granted, you get the reveals pretty relatively easy, yeah. but it wasn't meant to be hidden reveals. None of it's really hidden because you're like, oh, okay. You know, she keeps talking about like the mother keeps talking about the father, but you never see the father until you're like, oh, okay, yeah, obviously. Like, so like none of it's supposed to be that super spy, like basic. Not supposed to be this hidden gem somewhere where you're trying to figure out and trying to throw you for loops. It gets you, gets you to the point where you're at. It's. I think the music, you know, score was actually really good through the choice, yeah. uh, and it just brings more to the movie. And it's it's a very, like I said, it, the fact that it's a colorful movie is what you know helps with this whole thing too. Uh, I liked the cast. I liked uh, it was entertaining, very entertaining. The fight scenes were a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I dug I dug the overall storyline. I mean, it wasn't bad. I uh, overall uh, kind of touched on some, a lot of your guys' points. Uh, a lot of the humor didn't hit for me, but that's just didn't hit for me. But I mean, it was just. Still, it was it was a fun little movie. Uh, let's uh, pop over to dislikes. I, I'm going to say my major dislike with the movie. My major dislike is it's like it was the movie of swerves. Like every time we turned around, we had to have another fucking swerve. There was like 15 swerves in this damn movie. And it was just kind of like, eh, you could have like shortened it down and cut out some of the dumber ones. I, I understand I'm booking a movie that wasn't there, but that's why I'm saying like it was just kind of weird. By the time we get to the end and she becomes the Manchurian candidate, it's just like, you know, we could have cut out a couple of the other ones to get to the Manchurian Candidate. Like, we you know, we could have saved ourselves some time. It was an hour and 39-minute movie. And I feel like if you knocked a half an hour off the movie and got it under two hours, you know what I mean? Uh, I think it would have done better because I think sometimes, honestly, yeah. these two-hour movies kind of scare people away. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like, I don't have an hour and 39, you know, an hour and 39 minutes is, is two hours and 19 minutes. Uh, that's a long time, to, you know, but if it would have been an hour and 45 all of a sudden people are like, oh, I got an hour 45 to give. Because once again, an hour 45 is not just a movie. Or in this case, 219 is not just a movie. It's also going to the theater and getting your drink and your popcorn yeah. and getting to your seat and sitting there and waiting through the trailers and all that. So it's you're, you're donating a bit yeah. like three hours of your time for this movie. Yeah. And nothing against it. I still thought it was a good movie. I just think that if you would have concise some of it down, it would have made a better movie, in my opinion. Because a lot of times this movie felt to me like they were like, hey, let's take all the, the cliches from different spy movies and just kind of throw them at the wall see what sticks and not in like necessarily a bad way i shouldn't say that in like a failing way it's not like uh you know it's not like moonfall where we're changing plot lines the plot line stayed the same the major plot line but it was still kind of like all right are we uh like a fun comedy kind of spy movie uh for some of it we are are we a serious uh you know there's a kind of whodunit like to, to, to ron's point it wasn't a whodunit like you have to figure it out but you find out it's a whodunit because Listen, Agent Argyle ends up being Agent R. Kyle, and Ellie Conway is this agent the whole fucking time, and, and it gets revealed, so it is a reveal. So are we that kind of movie, or are we a rom-com a little bit, you know, or a dramedy? Because, you know, you have this love story. Once again, 
If you're going out for Valentine's Day and you want to see a good movie this year, I, I would say next week, go see Argyle on Valentine's Day. It does make a good date movie because it is very, I mean, it's not overly lovey-dovey for you guys, but it, for men who don't like overly lovey-dovey things, but there is still a love story in there, uh, which I wish they would have plugged it as. I think that would have been a better ploy to put some of that love story aspect in. And yeah, actually, I should lie. Some of the humor hit. The humor that hit for me was like the humor of going back and forth between these two characters, like a real life one and the fake one. And like I said, I wish they would have had John Cena kiss Henry Cavill <laughs> because then I would have been like, this is fucking epic. Yeah. Like, this is just taking it home. Uh, that's just And I'm opinion. sure they both would have done it too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's my whole point. Like, they're both, like, it's not, neither of them would have done it. I think they both would have done it. Or even the, 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 as they're standing on the yeah. boat there at the end, they, they just reach over and kind of goose each other's butts, you know? Because like, <laughs> because we just saw the real life two people yeah. make out and make up and then like so that's the next thing of them getting up and then they transform into the two the two male characters it'd have been just fine because what would you have done like a little embrace even like that yeah. would have been it would have just been funny that would have really brought it home like ha we're, we're in this realm even if like just holding each other's faces and then you know it goes circles down to black yeah something like that would have been a or or, or even if you go to the thing when she's talking to when she's telling people's future she should have been like oh they they, they get married and have a family <laughs> and the crowd would have been like what the fuck because <laughs> they're thinking of two men and she's yeah. actually telling the real story yeah. so that would have been yeah, that, that would have been more fun for me that's just me once again I'm booking a movie that didn't happen yeah. but I thought that would have been more fun Ron do you want to add something to the dislikes the, the major dislike is the two fifteen to 20 um, time frame it does there are little parts that do drag a little bit and you're just like, yeah, okay, you can you can, could have sped this up if you did this, could have sped this up, did that, you know. And it's we're, we're to the point where most movies need to be under two hours. Like we're we're and we've we've advocated this a lot since all the three hour freaking <laughs> comic book movies that we've watched. You don't get me wrong, some are really good and we've enjoyed them, but the ones that we've you know been pushing lately are the ones that hit two hours or under. And it, unfortunately. It's not because it doesn't hold our attention or anything. We watch, you know, we watch extended cut movies all the time. It's just, in this society now, it's just like, yeah, two-hour movie. It's a half an hour of commercials and trailers now. Solid. before When the movie's supposed to start. You know, it's like 6.15 starts the commercials at 6.20. And then, then you go into trailers. Then you go, so it's like, you got like 45 minutes to get there before you even have to worry about it. You might miss the opening crawl. So, you know, if so, like, that's the whole thing. You can get the movies down to about an hour 50. Like, like I mean, obviously, if it's an epic film that should be over yeah. two hours and fucking got, you know, like, once again, Oppenheimer, three-hour movie. Yeah. That needed to be a three-hour movie. I, I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I get it. And you know what you're getting into. When it's a fun spy comedy like this or yeah. an espionage comedy or, or what it dropped, like, because it, it wore a lot of hats, when it's that... It, it, if it was hour 45, I guarantee more people are going to see it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Diesel, sorry. Oh, no, no, it's my fault. <laughs> uh, so some of my dislikes. Some of the CGI in this movie was atrociously <laughs> bad. Why didn't they just shoot on location for some of it? It was almost like watching Expendables I, 4. I, I, th- I think it was... Like a lot of it was purposeful. I, I, I might I might be with that as well. Like like all the book stuff was definitely on purpose. And I'm not even talking about that. No, when they're driving to the keepers area. Yeah. Horrible. You could tell it was a painted background. Yes. It, w- it was a painted car. It was That was right. all CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Why not just have a car driving in the desert? It doesn't even have to be on location. You could just do that yeah. right on Hollywood. Right, right. <laughs> it reminded me of Expendables 4, where everything was shot on a backdrop, and you could yeah. tell it was a fucking backdrop. Yeah. So some of the, that I just didn't like. Yeah. And a lot of things that I shouldn't like 
what is actually a positive for me because you kept saying like how every i wanted to save this for until you gave your dislikes but how the goalposts kept moving i thought this is, i viewed this as like i viewed amsterdam how i viewed the big lebowski this is why i liked it so much was because it just kept getting more and more absurd as it goes <laughs> And it wasn't doing it in earnest, like being like, oh, we're, we're getting you. They knew what they were doing. Okay. And I that's why I liked it. Because fair it enough, was fair it enough. just kept getting more bizarre and bizarre and bizarre as the movie went. And I just really enjoyed that. You know, because when we're, we're watching the opening scene, the action scene, and the, the car is essentially doing an alley down the fucking poles. And you're just like, yeah. You're just like, all right. We're in the world of make-believe. Granted, this is a fictional book, but we're in the world of make-believe here. I'm going to enjoy this ride. Yeah. So I had a good time with that. Yeah. But yeah, the the two-hour-plus mark was rough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This movie, they the could, Diesel was smart enough and went early and bastard left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was supposed to go with Ron, but I was like, I'm going to rush home, rush back over here, and make the 5 o'clock show. Because even if I get there at 5.05, I've <laughs> still got time. <laughs> and that was partly my fault. Because I go, oh, you got a half an hour of trailers and commercials. You'd be, you'll make it in plenty of time. He's like, no, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you at 6.50. All right, no problem. And then all of a sudden, he, he's, he's sitting in the theater. Yeah, I made the 5 o'clock. Fuck you. <laughs> but uh, this one, they definitely could have shaved an easy 25, 30 minutes out of it and still have the same story because like getting Samuel L. Jackson in there is great. The Alfie character didn't move the storyline. Right, right. Yeah, that could have been, you could have sent that to any any yeah. random computer, CIA yeah. computer base. You didn't need a main character. Yeah. It, not that we have anything against Samuel L. Jackson. We want him on every screen we can yeah. get because, unfortunately, he's getting older. It's going to happen, people. Hate to be the bearer of bad news on that one. <laughs> but as the, like, the files are uploading to Alfie's computer, and it's just keeps getting stopped by a push of a button and you're just like you see the old like 90s downloading <laughs> crawl going and you're just like some of that stuff was a little out there but overall i like the absurdity of it all <laughs> right on right on i can i can hear you there all right now that we have gone through the full spoiler review it is finally time to find out what the rest of the internet thought about argyle time to play the game Time to play the game! <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. We're going to find out the scores from around the internet, and these two gentlemen are going to guess the scores. Closest to the number gets the point. First to three points wins. I mean, I guess there could be ties and stuff. And, of course, the way we're doing it is there is a championship advantage still because week by week, but the pure champion will be caused at the end of the year. Diesel is the reigning winner, but the year is tied two apiece. So it's two to two coming out of the first month. So damn, you guys are making this going to come be a close run. So are you gentlemen ready to play the game? Oh yeah, unfortunately. All right. Well, let's start it off. And Ron, since you're technically in the challenger seat, you get to go first. IMDB out of 10 using points. What did they give Argyle? 6.2. Diesel. <laughs> it's the first week. It is the first week, and not many people saw it, so I'm hoping that pushes it a little high. Uh, since we're going closest, not no no price to write rules anymore. Six. So six. Six point two to make a tie. And uh, both of you get a point. It was a tie. Six point one. Oh, okay. so we split the difference. <laughs> we split the difference. So one and one. One and one. All right, Diesel, you get to go first now. Metacritic. That means uh, algorithm of all the critic scores out of one hundred percent. What do they give Argyle? I actually think. I haven't watched any news on this. I think critics will actually like this. I'm, better critics going to be rough, though, so I'm going to say 63. 63%. Ron. 60. Okay. 60, 63, and... 
Ron gets the point, 36%. 36%. So Ron is leading two to one and could win on this very next one. And Ron, you get to go first. It's the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Remember, critics from Rotten Tomatoes, out of 100%, what did they give Argyle? 49. Diesel. 48 for the block. Damn it. 49, 48, and... Good block, as it was 34%. Shit. 34%. So it is now tied 2-2, technically with one question, uh, you know, two questions left, but it's 2-2 because of a tie. So either one of you could win on the next question. And, of course, Diesel, you go first. Rotten Tomatoes fan score. Out of 100%, what do the fans on Rotten Tomatoes give Argyle? I'm going to say 66. Ron. I'll just do 65. Okay. 66, 65, and will we have a winner? Of course we do. And your winner, and still champion, Diesel, 70%. Okay, 70%. okay. Uh, for funsies, letterboxed, uh, out of five using points, uh, starting with Ron, because you're the challenger, or would have been the challenger, what did, we, what did the letterbox give it? Three. Diesel. 3.2. Ron would have gotten that 2.5, okay. but once again, we already have a winner. Diesel moves on and is now leading the year series three to two, but it's still any person's game in the beginning of the year. Now that we have played the game and have found out the scores from around the internet, it is finally time to find out our scores for Argyle. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Of course, we are going to give our nerd score, uh, followed by my uh, critic score. And, of course, the nerd score is on the nerd scale, and the nerd score as a whole is a recommendation score. That means that we take our critic score and mix it with our, how entertained we were, and that gives us the number. So that means it could be a terrible, critically movie, but if it was a lot of fun, it could bump it up in score and vice versa. With that being said, the nerd scale is only five parts and five parts alone. The one on the nerd scale is no. That means it's a terrible film that you should never watch. Two on the nerd scale is you've been warned that means it's not quite terrible but it ain't good you've been warned not to watch it a three is ah it's it's good that means that it's you know it's not the best movie but it's it's, it's average uh you're not gonna run out and go pay to see it but at the same point in juncture if you catch it on you won't regret seeing it you probably just won't watch it again because it was a, it's an average a good movie next up the very good to great movie and that is the four slot and it is uh going to be just take my money of course go out to the theater spend money on it maybe you'll add it to your rotation you might actually go see it multiple times it's worth that and last but not least is the rarefied air in the five spot is certified nerd and at the certified nerd spot is the creme de la creme the best of the best the legendary films jaws jurassic park that kind of ilk you are going to see it in the theater you're gonna see if they re-release it through the theater you're gonna add it to your collection you might even add multiple copies to your collection over the years and it'll definitely be in your rotation so we are going to start with you ron what is your nerd score for argyle and why my nerd score for this is uh four I actually really enjoyed this. I enjoyed pretty much 90% of this film to the point where I was like, I enjoyed going to it. I wasn't upset that I went to the late showing. Uh, talked about it after the movie with my buddy, you know, and it, and to the like to this point talking with these guys, it really shows that I did enjoy this movie. Um, the the quirks that there that we didn't really like didn't take off that much of it for me because all the like the acting in this movie is phenomenal from everybody. And that's a major plus for me. And it's one of those movies that it's like I said, it's a very colorful movie. It's they shot it during the day, and it was a lot of you know for a spy movie, you don't really get that all that often. And it's a you know it's it's there. It's a storyline. We get it. Blah blah blah. It, but I enjoyed it. I, I will probably catch it again at least you know on uh, demand somewhere or somewhere. 
But that's it. Okay, a diesel. What is your nerd score and why? All right, because we don't do partial points or fractions, I'm giving this what I will call a strong four. Show me the money! I really enjoyed this. This movie, like I said, I compared it with like watching a Big Lebowski or Amsterdam, where it just keeps building. I think they overdid some of the plot twists, but they did a brilliant job at setting up for all of them. So you can just you knew what was going to happen. You knew. Kira was going to come back. You knew as soon as like the floor flooded with the oil, oh, she's going to skate this shit. <laughs> I really enjoyed how it looked. I thought it was well acted. The small downfalls for me were some of the effects and just took me out of it. And then the runtime, but I did thoroughly enjoy this movie. All right. Well, it's my turn. I know it. I'm just not even going to bury the lead. I am in the low one on this. Cause I gave it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I mean, it's on a higher end of being a three. It's a, it's a slightly above average film because I'll give you my critic score. I gave it a six out of ten, so it's slightly above the five. Uh, it's just there's things that drug it down. I, I did not, I was not as amused. I did not compare it to an Amsterdam or to the Big Lebowski. I think uh, for me that was just a stretch because I wasn't as amused with the things going on. I thought that they were just like stretching time for whatever reason. This is this new thing in Hollywood where they like to stretch out time in movies for some reason, and I think that that was the biggest fault of this movie because you could really feel the stretch because there was no reason to have half of the things that happened. Uh, you take some of those away and all of a sudden this movie becomes a four no-brainer because it was enough fun. The action scenes were fun. The acting was good. You know, uh, the I would love to say the shooting was great, but once again, I'm with Diesel on this. There was some CGI uses that wasn't even needed and some of the stuff I don't even think was CGI. I think that they straight out used painted backgrounds like in the old days, which normally what I would be fine with, but when you're watching this big glossy film that cost $200 million, you go... I don't know if that's the look. You know what I mean? I don't. The cat was terrible, by the way. The CGI cat, <laughs> like I, I am sorry. Like that was just. Why couldn't we just use a real fucking cat? I understand, like for like some of the funner scenes you had to, but they never used a real cat. The cat was always CG. Why? It, you know what the cat reminded me of? It reminded me of the fucking lions and beast. <laughs> Remember the lions and beasts? And I'm not talking about the background lions that look fine. They were real lions that they filmed and put in the background. I'm talking about the alpha lion from Beast that looked terrible the whole movie. Like, that's what Peter. the cat fucking... Yeah, that's what the cat <laughs> reminded me of. Maybe the next movie this uh, director's guy is like... Heathcliff, the movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, she's. Uh, they said that she was a dog person, so maybe we'll get fucking Odie too. I don't know. I just there's just some things I can't forgive. At the end of the day, though, I did still like the story and the plot and all that stuff. That's why it gets a six out of ten. I can't see myself really watching it again because then I would have to like expose myself to the parts of it that I'm just like. You know, like if there was a director's cut that could cut out the the, the thirty minutes of, of, of shaft in there, <laughs> the, the, the reverse maybe, director's cut where it cuts out. Yeah, the movie maybe and the, edi- the editor's cut. Yeah. That's what I would call it. But you know, like, like I, I don't know. It's like I said, I still did give a thumbs up to recommending it. If you want to go see a fun movie, especially if you want to go somewhere, and this is why I said that, especially if you want to go somewhere for uh, Valentine's Day and see a fun movie with a loved one, whether it's this upcoming weekend or on Valentine's Day itself, this is the kind of movie that I think you guys uh, that, that you would uh, you know you and your significant other would enjoy because there is a love story there at the end of the day, you know, and there is it is a lot of fun. There is just some hard spots to it. There's just some kind of like, and like I said, I understand where you came from because you just found it amusing, which is fine. I kind of took the, the the lesson of like, man, 
I, I think it just annoyed me towards the end. Like, like it was like we, you know, I was okay with a few twists, but it was like literally it just felt like the twists were there to stretch the movie out. And it's like we don't need to stretch movies out to two hours and twenty minutes. Like, why finish it at the logical endpoint? We've seen a lot of great movies that were one forty-five. I don't understand why Hollywood now thinks it's got to be two hours or better to be considered a great film. And I think that that's really a bad trend in Hollywood. And I think that's why a lot of movies aren't making as much money because people don't have that kind of donate. Because like Ron said, movies don't even start on time anymore. I mean, maybe by you guys, wherever you know our listeners are listening. But around here, the the showing I went to was a noon showing. The movie didn't start, the, the trailer, sorry, didn't start until 12.15. Think about that. 15 minutes. I had to sit through 15 minutes of the same fuck. I sat through the Disney commercial twice. Did you guys see the Disney commercial? The one where it was like 110 at by two. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like it was this long drug out, boring ass Disney World commercial. Uh, I get it. They paid Regal for it. So good on them. But like I sat through that twice. And I, and mind you, afternoon, I didn't take my seat until 11.59. I saw that twice in that 15 minutes that the movie should have started. So, I mean, I get that it's not completely on the movie, and that's not the movie's fault. But if you know this is happening in the theaters to make the money up that they're losing, then maybe you should make the movies a little more shorter, unless it's a movie that needs that time. If they weren't stalling for time, I'd have been perfectly fine with it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so, with that... These two gentlemen gave it a four. I gave it a three. Hey, overall, still a good movie. Go out and see it. I still recommend it. Uh, with that being said, though, if you would like to give us your opinions, let us hit us up on the social media. Hit us up on the email. The contact us. However you want to do it. For all that information, go to 3fnpodcast.com. Ron, I believe you have some uh, stuff to get rid of before we can move on. I saved this one, especially for Diesel. One out of ten stars. Nice. This movie is so-so. One out of ten stars. Terminator just sucks people. Good, good one for a short week. <laughs> one out of ten. It's so-so. I take a so-so as a 50%. <laughs> I mean, so-so at worst would be 40%. Yeah. Like a four. If we're going out of ten, a so-so to me is like a four. <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you three, I'll give you oh, three to five. I would say four. I would say between four and six. So-so is that, that it's kind of like almost the average of uh, of our, uh, ad. it's good. Although anything under a five, I usually count as not an ad, it's good. It's usually a five to about a six and a half on my scale. It's six and a half, seven, depending. But I mean, on a normal scale, four to six. So, so-so, and you're giving it a one. These ratings, these ratings, man. I thought it was uh, By the way, our explanation lasted longer than that uh, review. Uh, August 19th, 2019. There you go. Well, With, he knew the world was in for a, a bad year for the following year. <laughs> hey, he kept it short and sweet, though. we got to give him credit for that. With that being said, though, that's going to bring us to the end of the show, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed our review of Argyle next week. The 3FN Movie Club review will be of the legendary Club Dread by Broken Lizards. Can't wait to talk about that. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I can't wait to re-see that as well. On top of all of that, we got up uh, the week after that is Madam Web. <laughs> you know, it, 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 the sun will come out tomorrow, maybe. Uh, either way, <laughs> sign up for our Patreon because we have to go see Madam Web for you people. At least give us something. By the way, Patreon, Patreon Black History Month celebrating the 50th anniversary of Blazing Saddles, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we also have uh, for the horror show, Three F and Horror Show. We were going to give you people under the stairs. Another gl- classic movie. Uh, so you got those bonuses coming to you over on the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Though. So there you go. Patreon.com slash 3FM Podcast. It was a shameless plug. With that being said, though, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later, nerds. Later. Follow the banana. Follow the banana. 
the Terminator just sucks people. That's all, folks.